This season, treat all your friends and family with a holiday gift pack from our longtime friends at noon. They're serving up three holiday gift packs, each with three tubes of hydration tablets, perfect for introducing your favorite runners to new flavors or types of noon. Save 20% when you use promo code HYDRATEAMR at NoonLife.com. Welcome to AMR Trains, a podcast about training and racing and endurance sports. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner. And today, we're like the Go-Go's or this metronome. We got the beat, right? All right, I'll turn it off. It's annoying. (laughs) Actually, we're going to talk in depth about cadence or the number of times your feet hit the ground in a minute when you're running. There are a lot of ideas about cadence floating around there floating around out there on the interweb, and we want to know what's useful and what's not. So helping us here today are Train Like a Mother coaches Jennifer Harrison and Elizabeth Waterstrat. They are going to help us break things down from 180 all the way down to maybe not your walking cadence, but you'll you'll have a much better understanding of the beat once we're done with this podcast. So welcome, ladies. Thank you. Hi. Hi. So last time we met in this uh, in this bar, um, we were all about race reports. Um, and Jen, I know you have an update for us. So before we dive into Cadence, I want to hear about um, your your season ending race. My season ending race, which was inspired actually kind of by Elizabeth because it was like, just do it, which was awesome. Uh, sometimes you just need a kick in the ass. Yeah. No, I, I raced draft legal nationals in Tempe. Elizabeth did it last year. And she loved it. And um, she didn't do it this year, but she came down to support. She had some other athletes down there and her husband. And so I did draft legal nationals sprint in Tempe and I loved it. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And so draft legal means that you get to draft on the bike, huh? Yeah, draft legal means you need to draft on the bike. But just for the record, at usually at that level, meaning not professional level, there's not a lot of drafting going on. So I, I did ride by myself the whole time, but oh, you um, did? I would have drafted if I could. <laughs> That's kind of a buzzkill, huh? Uh-huh. And how did uh, it go? Um, it went well. It went well. It's fun to use my fitness. I was, I struggled a little bit because I was coming off all that iron, but legs, but yeah, I did fine. I, and I loved it. I, I love head to head racing and shoulder to shoulder stuff. And it wasn't quite that intense, but it was pretty intense, which I just loved. And we got to run in from the beach. To, to the water. I know we yeah, saw that, a starting that. picture of you. You were, you were, <laughs> your intensity shows in that picture. You can, I can find you easily just because of your, your focus, right? Right, right. Well, it's pretty intense because they put the age groups, it was a smaller race, so they combined the age groups. So there was 30 year olds in there. So I was like, oh, oh geez, sake. it was 30 gotta, to 50 or something. Yeah. Get those whippersnappers out of the way. Jen Harrison yeah. is coming through. All right. All right. <laughs> Okay, let's go back to the beginning. We'll start with the beginning of cadence. So Liz, I I kind of said it in the intro, but um, do you want to define what run cadence is for us? It's your step rate, your stride rate, your turnover. There's many different ways we can describe it. And it's basically how many steps you take in one minute. Okay, and how do you measure it? If if someone's out on a run right now, we're going to give you the opportunity actually to measure it in a second. So um, tell us how you measure it. Lots of different ways. High tech, most of your like Garmin wearable devices can track your cadence either by being calibrated with the foot pod that you have on your shoe, or it estimates it based on your arm swing. So even if you don't have a foot pod, you can pull up cadence 
And it's just going off of how many times your arms are swinging. Uh, if you don't have that, you can do old school. Just count out the number of times your foot strikes the ground in 30 seconds and multiply that by two to get your steps per minute. Nice. Okay, so we are going to give you 30 seconds of silence um, in about 10 seconds. So either pick your right or your left foot and just pick how many times it hits, okay? In three, two, one, go. 30 seconds is going to feel like a long time. <laughs> to I'm us. sitting here jogging in place. Do we anybody? really have to be quiet? <laughs> <laughs> All right, in three, two, one, stop. So multiply that number, like uh, Liz said, by two. So that's gonna be for one foot. So you're gonna multiply it one more time to get your stride rate per minute. So it's probably somewhere, what, between like 150 and 180, we think? Is that pretty mm -hmm. normal for, for um, runners, Jen? Yeah, so you know, it just depends. Anywhere, people usually fall between yeah, 150 and 180, exactly. And okay. where you fall is important because that's what we're gonna talk about today is how to improve that. Exactly, well, so that's my next, it literally says, Jen is paying attention to, is paying attention to your cadence is important. If so, why? So way to, way to cue yourself up there. Yes, I, I, and that was not staged, I promise. Um, <laughs> cadence is important and actually something that we pay really close attention to with athletes. It's one of the things I look at at almost every single run file um, with every athlete. And the reason I do that is because you can tell a lot of, about a runner by their cadence. And so what we're trying to do, and there's no perfect cadence. I, I think sometimes there's a lot of PR that's done. That's okay. The magical 180 and all this. Sure. It's out there. And then ideally a lot of really successful fast runners run eight, 180 or above, but that doesn't mean that you, the listener has to be at 180. Um, you just need to be probably faster than where you're at right now. <laughs> okay. And we can talk about that next. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so um, before we um, before we get into um, how to speed it up and why um, the the hows and whys of it, what what are some things that come with um, going in that 150 range? Um, well, yeah. Let's let's talk about like. Um, overstriding, aggressive heel striking, that kind of thing. So Liz, you want to talk a little bit about what happens when, I know for me, when I was running a lot, um, I would be running on a path, you know, out in the middle of beautiful Colorado and somebody would be way far ahead of me on the path, you know, with her back to me and she would turn around like, so she heard me coming basically, like definitely heard me coming, clomping along the way. So can you talk a little bit about when you clomp, why that's probably not great for you? Yes. So the the slower your stride rate, the more time your foot spends on the ground and the more time it has to absorb all of those forces. Uh, and they can travel up to your knee and your hip. And it's just a lot of load that you're putting on your leg with all that time on the ground. The other piece of it is that the more time your foot spends on the ground, you, the more time you're spending decelerating, so breaking forces, and then you have to use all of this energy to accelerate and get off of the ground. So, you know, long story short, it's just really inefficient 
and it creates a lot of time for bad things to happen in the rest of your leg because your foot's spending a long time on the ground. There you go. Yeah. So you want to have that hot coal feeling, which we're going to get to in a minute. But I just want to, um, Jen, you brought up the the 180 number, which is kind of like this golden mythical ring around um, the running world. And um, it comes from uh, Jack Daniels in 1984 at the Olympics in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. was sitting in the stands, counting strides, doing some metrics of his own. And suddenly that became the number. And so, you know, whether you were a recreational 5 k or, you know, gunning for Olympic gold, all of a sudden everyone was like 180, 180, 180, which is, um, you know, t- t- tends to be how we overs- oversimplify things, right? Yeah, exactly. And But I will say that along that same theme, faster runners have higher cadence. Sure. And I think that what we usually see, the research shows that usually if your cadence falls under about 164 strikes per minute, and that's both feet, that we just see an increased increased injury rate with those athletes. And that goes back to what Elizabeth said earlier about spending more time on your feet and the deceleration and all that. So whenever I have an athlete or whenever I see athletes or if they're on the train like a mother and asking questions about cadence, we always try to initially just get them over that 164 hump. And that's that's definitely not easy, but that's always the, the kind of the golden rule that I tell athletes. Let's get over that 164 hump. You may not ever get to 180, and that's okay, back to this you know golden rule thing that is just out there. But let's keep continuing to work on cadence because cadence trumps everything else. In fact, in our heart rate program, we talk about cadence trumping heart rate just so that they can get the cadence going to be a better runner, more efficient runner before we start obsessing about heart rate. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Well, so, so if someone is out for a run right now and let's just say that they landed at 154, so they have, you know, ideally they're going to, they're going to want to increase their cadence to at least, like we said, 164, get over that hump. How do you go about doing that? Liz, what are some ways that you can start to think about, picking up your um, turnover a little bit. So you want to be really patient with the process of trying to change your stride rate. So I would start really small. So it might be, you could just say, okay, every time my, my Garmin buzzes that I've hit a mile, I'm going to pick up my stride rate for 20 seconds, 30 seconds, or after a warm up, I'm going to do something like 10 by 20 seconds where I just increase my stride rate. Now, the problem with this is most people, when you tell them to pick up their stride rate after coming from a very low stride rate, is they think about sprinting and going fast. So best runners learn to ingrain that motor pattern at any speed. So it doesn't matter if you're running 10 minute miles or six minute miles, you know, picking up your your stride rate shouldn't, shouldn't be a challenge really, or it shouldn't require you to go faster to do it. Maybe a little bit initially, Sure. Because naturally, that's one of the benefits of a faster turnover is you naturally find a little bit of free speed because you just have better mechanics. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, so um, so adding in a couple little um, blurbs is one way to do it. Like you talked about little pickups, that kind of thing. Um, we are going to release a uh, song list in the show notes of this. There's, um, I think there's one, two, three, four. I think there's seven songs and they start with 150, 150 beats per minute for a warm up. Then they we have two at 160, one at 170, then we go back to 160 and then one at 180. Um, so you can kind of 
feel that or at least hear it. Um, I mean, is music an, a good way to do that, Jen, to pick up your um, to pick up your stride rate to kind of yeah. work on that? Yeah, so I usually, yeah, absolutely. I have athletes do music. Um, and there's, I think there's playlists that are all 150, 160, 170, 180. Um, and then there's the metronome on the, on your, on your phone app. So you can find an app that's a metronome. You can set it for whatever you want to and run with it. Um, it's just, it's just great. And if there's any triathletes listening, it's great across the board. It's great for cycling, swimming, and running. Cadence is always important. Cause in back to Elizabeth's point, when she was saying that it's so important to understand that when the, the the faster and the more efficient runners, their cadence is always the same, no matter what their pace is. And that's, you almost forget, we almost forget to say that, but it's so true because athletes will run and they're, and they're, they're trying to hit this magical, let's just say it's 170, but their heart rate is so high and they're working so hard. Yeah. Well, eventually that does come down, but it, it is a, kind of one of those frustrating processes. Yeah. Well, so what, so Liz, what can you do? I mean, because that that's totally what I would see myself doing is if I went out and said, okay, I'm going to try to hit, you know, 164, 170 or whatever. Um, and yes, immediately you think is I've got to work harder. I'm going to have to go faster. You know, how do you kind of reconcile mentally speed versus cadence? Like what can you do to kind of um, slow your roll a little bit as far as your speed goes, but pick it up as far as your feet go? I would suggest just thinking about the mechanics of your foot hitting the ground versus picking something up, or trying to increase something. So just think about when my foot strikes the ground, it needs to come right off of the ground again. So you can think about popping or just being snappier and, and see if you can play around with that. And if that naturally increases your stride rate. Of course, you don't wanna just pop up. Sometimes too, when people start picking up their stride rate, they're bouncing up and down and wasting a lot of energy vertically. So it's just capturing this idea of foot goes on the ground, foot gets off of the ground, but it's always driving us forward, regardless of the speed that we're running. Cool. Yeah, that's the pogo. We can't. We gotta avoid the pogo stick. That's I like that. Mm -hmm. Well, and and Jen, you brought up heart rate, and so yes, I mean that is one thing. Like if you are trying to run in a like a zone one or two run, and you're also trying to work on your cadence, chances are you're gonna get some frustration. So talk a little bit. You mentioned it earlier, but. Talk about how you, um, what you prioritize when you're working on um, cadence and training. Sure. And if you're not, if you're listening to this and you're not using heart rate, perceived exertion is also, you know, you can also work off perceived exertion. What I tell athletes is, is cadence trumps heart rate. And so when I give them and I tell them to do 10 by 30 seconds at a faster cadence, so let's say their baseline is 160 and I say 10 by 30 seconds at 165 and then 10 by 10 seconds at 160 or whatever it is with full rest in between, which is jogging. Um, they get frustrated because their heart rate is spiking and going too high. And I just say, just ignore it. It's going to be high because we're changing, we're changing neuromuscular patterns. It's going to be harder. So when you're focusing on cadence, just focus on cadence. Don't worry about anything else, but just make sure you don't go out and run five miles at a harder cadence. Cause sure. then, right. It'd be too hard. Yeah. At what point, and I know it's going to be an individual and based on people's biomechanics and how often they practice and how much they run, but at what point does that 30 seconds at 165 turn into five miles at 165? Like how much time, how much, how patient do we have to be? <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to say it depends on the athlete because it does, but yes, very patient, very patient, okay. very patient. It could, it could potentially take, I mean, months and months and months and months. So it could potentially take three to six months. Uh, I mean, you're going to see progress, 
quickly and initially. So you're going to see progress, but the heart rate's not going to, the effort is going to be so high, mm-hmm. but usually, usually in three, in three months, we see some benefit of that, but it does take longer for some athletes. Some athletes struggle with it. And so if you're struggling with it, it's okay. Don't obsess about it and don't think about it on every run, pick a run, add in some cadence, close the book and move on. Cause each time you do it, it will help you. Just focus on one thing at a time when you're, I was going to say swimming when you're running. <laughs> or swimming. Sorry, I, I got swim in the brain. Yeah, yeah. Deck the halls and light the candles and serve up some noon cheer to all the runners in your life. Noon hydration tablets turn ordinary water into an extraordinary beverage packed with flavor, electrolytes, vitamins, and immune support goodness. This year, Noon is making it easy on all of us by offering three holiday gift packs, one each for energy, exercise, and wellness. Each gift pack includes three tubes of Noon, and they're a great way to introduce your beloved running friends to new flavors or types of Noon. Like the Wellness Holiday Gift Pack contains three tubes of our favorite wellness blends, Noon Vitamins, Noon Immunity, and Noon Rest, plus two free samples of the new Noon Immunity 3. While the Energy Gift Pack contains three tubes of Noon Energy in three caffeinated, delicious flavors, Berry Blast, Ginger Lime Zing, and Tropical Punch. And, no surprise, the Exercise Gift Pack has three tubes of Noon Sport in three delicious flavors, Strawberry Lemonade, Lemon Lime, and Watermelon. No matter the time of day, I'm drinking Noon. For instance, before and after my five-mile run this morning, I drank Noon Sport in my favorite flavor, Citrus Fruit. Now, after being at the trade show all day, I'm drinking Noon Immunity in super tasty blueberry pomegranate. Whatever flavor, variety, or gift pack of Noon you choose, get 20% off your entire order by visiting NoonLife.com and using promo code NoonAMR20. That website, N-U-U-N-L-I-F-E.com and code NoonAMR20. That's all one word, NoonAMR20, to save 20%. Okay, Liz, let's talk a little bit about a treadmill. If somebody is on a treadmill, how do they, like, is that an accurate representation of cadence because the belt is moving underneath them? Like, talk a little bit about how you um, think about cadence when you've got on the treadmill. So I find this really varies by athletes. Some athletes naturally run a quicker stride rate on the treadmill because they're keeping up with that belt. Others seem to, I think, like the treadmill is so springy that it slows down their stride rate and they're just kind of loping along. So, you know, whatever the case is for you, um, the treadmill, it's, it's easy to work on your stride rate there because the, the timer is right in front of you and, you know, you can hop on and off of it if you want a little break after you work on your stride rate. But I think it's worth exploring for each runner, you know, is this a tool that helps me with my stride rate or how does this compare to the outdoors? Is too much running on the treadmill, what's maybe slowing me down and ingraining slower patterns. Sure. Sure. So just an example. So say I'm, I've, I'm usually like my base pace for like a zone two run is 6.3 miles an hour. So if I'm, but I'm, but my, but my, um, cadence is probably say it's 160 and I'm trying to get it to 170. So I, I would keep it at 6.3 miles an hour, um, and try to increase my cadence without increasing the speed. Is that right? Or do, would I have to necessarily increase the speed just to get that flow going? I don't think you would need to increase the speed. I, okay. I think everyone will have to play around with that. But, you know, again, like we said, we want to stay away from this idea of I have to go faster to turn over faster. Yeah. You want to just teach that your body to fire at a faster rate, no matter the speed it's going 
Um, just again, and especially on the treadmill, just be sure that you're not just bouncing up and down and getting what's called vertical oscillation. We don't want a whole lot of that. Okay. Um, all right. So I've got a, I've got a cat in this fight. Um, what about height? Height, um, tall runners versus shorter runners. Is there going to be a difference in your natural cadence, Jen? Uh, there is a, there is a difference in your natural cadence. Shorter runners have shorter turn, shorter legs. They turn over a little bit quicker, but I, I have to tell you the difference at the top is not that big. So the faster runners, no matter if they're five foot two, oh, compare Elizabeth and Dimity. So little <laughs> tiny Elizabeth to taller Dimity, right? Your cadence is going to be different because you have different body types and different body styles. But, and you'll find the most efficient. So the most efficient might be 180, 185 for Elizabeth. It might be 175 for you, Dimity. And that's okay. Because yeah. if you're staying healthy, you're getting faster or you're maintaining your speed, then that's great. And I think we just have to back to this thing where we don't have to hang our head on this magical 180, but we also need to make sure that we're not getting injured and we're increasing, you know, we're, we're increasing our cadence as we go. But we do see taller uh, runners they, I don't want to say the word lope, but they tend to lope a little bit more than, than, so their cadence tends to be a little bit slower than the shorter people. And when I say short, I don't know, under five, five, probably. Sure. Sure. I mean, I found, uh, you know, um, Alex Hutchinson who writes a bunch of different running stuff yeah. and he writes for outside magazine. He found one study that every additional, um, inch of height was associated with a decrease of just about three steps per minute. So someone who was six feet tall would take about 18 fewer steps per minute than someone who's five, six. Now, yeah. again, that's one study and it was probably very small, but I think that that's just helpful to think about a little bit. It's not, it doesn't yes. give tall people permission to check out, but if you're frustrated, you know, maybe, you know, take it slow um, and, and yeah. don't. No, go. that's true. We absolutely see it. And we see that across all sports. Yeah. You know what I mean? We see the difference in cadence and, long people and even strength training and everything so yeah yes exactly okay so if someone was listening to this and they are at i don't know let's just playing devil's advocate 160 and they've never been injured and they feel good is that something should they try to to to, to increase it a little bit liz or do you feel like they're okay i would try to increase it you know i went to this uh run course a few years back by a really good run physiotherapist and he had all the latest and greatest research. And he said, as long as someone is around 175, you probably don't need to work too hard to change it. But I would say just because the research shows that anything below 164, you're at a much greater risk for injury. Now, injury might not have caught up with you yet, but the writing is always on the wall. And you know, it could be that over time, it's, it's out there or it's happening. So even if you've been healthy at 160, I, would, I think it still pays to, to try to increase it. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. Um, anything else you guys want to add other than, oh, and I mean, I guess, are we practicing on flat ground? That's another question. Are we, or, or uphills, downhills, like talk about the different, um, surfaces, Jen, what, what's good well, to practice on? I like the flats while you're learning how to change your cadence, stay on the flats, stay out of the hills. I will say though, that one of the good ways, one of the tips to working on turnover and cadence is downhill. So you can go to a small, doesn't not an aggressive, but enough where it's a decline and just working on the, the turnover and try to get the feel of what it feels like to be turning over that quickly on a decline or on a descent of a hill. Because then that starts recruiting the muscles differently and faster. It's, and it's a little bit easier on the flats. So start with the flats. If you're struggling, go to the downhills. 
All right. All right. And Liz, how many athletes do you have that use that use a metronome, like a head ticking at the beginning? Not too many. And I think that's because most people have the cadence present on their on their garment. But I do have some and, and it's some of my slower cadence runners who really find the metronome very helpful. Uh, yeah. you know, especially if maybe you come from a musical background, just in hearing that pattern and it becomes part of you, you know, and, and it gives you now I'll tell you a story. There's a um, former world champion, Leanda Cave, the triathlete. Mm -hmm. If you guys remember, yeah, so she, I totally remember. She her won, name. she won Kona. She won seventy point three worlds. Now Leanda was tall, and she had um, a cadence on her watch, and it would beep on the run. And I never, I'll never forget. Like there was a race report out there from Angela Nath, one of her competitors, said, "Oh, I knew Leanda was getting close because I could hear her metronome ticking." Oh wow. <laughs> uh, and, and I, and I don't know, I don't really know. Maybe, maybe she was working on it with her coach or maybe that was just a cue. I always tell people later in the race, as you start to get tired, just switch over to focusing on cadence. You'll naturally find that you get a little faster. Plus it takes the, the focus off of uh, how you feel or the speed that you're going. So sure, maybe that was, sure. maybe that was her trick. Yeah. Oh, I like it. I like it. I mean, I, I did If people who've been longtime listeners. I did the uh, chi running course and I, and I had a metronome that I used for, um, I don't know, probably off and on for six months. And I did find it really useful. It was more than anything. It was embarrassing because <laughs> I would be out on a public, you know, like Wash Park here, which is like New York City Central Park. It's not as dense, of course, but, you know, here comes, you know, TikTok, 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 <laughs> you know, um, and it was just it was just a, um, a handheld one. Now I think you could attach it to your headphones, right? I don't think that they had apps back when I was trying it. So, um, so yeah, I would definitely, and especially too, if you are, like you said, like the lower cadence runners and you're wanting to just get a little bit faster. So say you t tested yourself at 150, put a metronome on at like, what, like 154 for 30 seconds, you know, make the, or whatever, and just try that. Um, I don't know. It helps because it gives an actual number to it and you don't have to be in your, all in your head and with your stopwatch and that kind of thing. So just a thought. Um, okay, so you, and last question for you guys is you talked about at the very beginning the GPS monitors and um, foot pods and that kind of thing. Are those pretty accurate? Like if somebody is trying to get better, um, they can look at their little, I call them green worms on the Garmin at the bottom, you know, of I think it's on their Garmin app. Um, are those pretty accurate? Like do, do we feel like we can use those as um, a gauge of progress? Yeah, I do. I find them accurate. I mean, as accurate as we can – as we know them to be. So, yeah, sure. Yes, yes. I, I do find them accurate. And when you ask people to pick up your cadence, you can look at your graph. So if you're listening and you're looking at your data, look at your graph on your pickups and look. So I'll take the little cursor, go over the data, look at the warm up. How does it compare to the pickup? Did they do it? So you can do that with yourself as well. Nice, nice. All right. Anything else you guys want to add before we before we take it out with a, a go go song? <laughs> <laughs> No, just no. don't give up on it and, 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 you know, be patient with it. Like anything else, it takes a lot of time. Um, and I think people get frustrated and stop doing it, but it is one of the, the key things you can do to improve your running and make you go faster. Nice. Anything else you want to add, Liz? No, just, no. you know, I will maybe, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, and I think we've already expressed this. There's no magic number. So Jack Daniels said 180. 
um, because he saw that in elite marathoners. Elite marathoners also tend to heel strike. Does that mean everybody needs to heel strike? No. So you'll find your sweet spot where you feel good and, and it just feels smooth. And as long as it's inching toward 180, above 164, you're in a good place. You don't have to stress too much about it. On the flip side, if there's someone out there who's routinely at 200 steps per minute, and we all have those little, uh, <laughs> what do you call them, like hummingbirds? <laughs> um, <laughs> you yes. know, just maybe look at getting a little more forward drive to your stride, a little less up and down, or maybe even playing around with your stride length. Love it. Love it. Well, thanks, ladies. I think we'll have a lot of people playing with it over the holidays, which is kind of a fun time to do it as long as you don't do it on any no icy patches. Do it. Do it on a treadmill or do it on um, some dry road. But yes. All right. Take care, ladies. Thank you so much, Jen and Liz. Uh, as always, your expertise is very appreciated. Take care. Okay, you're welcome. Bye.